welcome. We are back. It's Trucking Answers. Hey, welcome. Welcome. Boy, that was exciting. Exciting. Thanks for being here. I'm here with my co-host, Gracie, who's orange and ready to jump in at any moment because she has a lot to say about trucking. Today, we're going to talk about a few things. I got some tips for new drivers, but I also want to talk about variant. Have you heard of them? You might have. Maybe you saw me at the Variant booth for a while or watched the show. I did a live show at the Mid-America Truck Show this year. And I was at the Variant booth for a little bit, chit-chatting with a few uh, people there. Talked about Variant. Yeah, oh, the Mid-America Truck Show. Did you see me speak there? I was a speaker at the Mid-America Truck Show. I hope you saw it. You can uh, you can go to the Mid-America Truck Show site and uh, see it now on the recording because they recorded everything that's pretty fun <clears throat> but there's some news about variant you know they have released their turnover rate this always amazes me in trucking when companies have a turnover rate that is really high and what did i say about variant when i was there well i'll tell you all about it so and we're also going to have some automotive news and yet another reason why we don't live on mars do you know why we're not on mars why aren't we living on mars going to the mars mall where it's Mars Forever 21 and stuff like that. Why aren't we there? Well, there's a bunch of dumb, stupid, idiot people on this planet that waste our time and money. We can't put our efforts into getting to Mars while we're busy with them because they are so dumb. Yes, there are dumb people on this planet. I know it surprises everyone. It does surprise everyone to know that it is true. Oh my gosh, it's so true. So it's like they uh, in the movie, it's twoo, it's twoo. Okay, so who know, who remembers what I'm talking about? Anybody? Put up your hands. All right, MarketTruckingAnswersNation.com. Let's get this thing on the road. And I want to talk about Variant. Now, when I, when I was at the Variant booth and talking to them, the whole key at Variant is thusly that you don't go to Variant to be a driver. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing. Mark, it's a trucking company. I know that. All right. I know it. You do not go there to drive because the pay is just, you know, average pay, whatever. Plus, it's part of U.S. Express. So, you know, it's probably got a bunch of that stink rubbing off of it from that lousy place. So, you go to Variant to recruit other people that come to Variant. <laughs> That's why you go there because they pay. For every person you get, they pay you. And it's an unlimited amount of people for an unlimited amount of time. Unlike some place that give you a flat 500, 600, 2000, whatever it is at variant, as long as those people are there, you are making money from them. And then there is no limit. There is no limit to the amount of people that you can get. So for some, if you get 50 people to come, they're getting paid on 50 people as they roll along. Okay. And I don't remember the mileage rate. It was a different rate. I don't have that in the top of my head right now. I, by the way, Variant's not paying me for this. I'm, I doubt that they would. And uh, that's the story at Variant. So the idea is to go to Variant and make their average pay. But if you recruit other people there, okay, then you are getting that money. And that's not a bad way to do it. Because who's going to lie to you? A recruiter. Okay, They're going to lie. Because they get paid when you come in there. So the idea is to have drivers recruit other drivers. And that way, it's more likely to be the truth. But Mark, why wouldn't a driver lie to me to get me there? Because if you quit, they don't get any money. Okay, so it's in their best interest to tell you the truth of the place 
so that they so that you stay right and so they continue to get money okay because the uh the the deal there is getting the is seeing the long term so getting multiple people there there are drivers that are making well into the six figures like closing in on 200,000 for a solo driver because of recruiting all right now i don't know how many solo drivers you know doing that as company drivers with full benefits but they have them they pulled the numbers up there are some all right not everybody some drivers don't do it some drivers don't recruit and i don't know that it's worth working there otherwise but check this out. Let's do, check it out. Check it out. So <laughs> their their turnover rate is up. All right. In the first quarter of 2021, it was 148%. All right. 2022, it's 150%. They have a 150% turnover rate. They have 1,889 trucks. That means they have to hire over 2,700 drivers every year just to keep their trucks rolling, just to keep 1,800 trucks rolling. Isn't that incredible? Think about that, okay? Think about that. They have to put 50 people or more per week, per week on at the place, okay? Per week. They're putting on eight to ten people per day all year long just to keep people in their trucks now what does that tell you about a company uh, it's horrible okay if you can't keep see here's the thing if you come if somebody comes and then they quit one person all right that maybe it just wasn't a fit for them or whatever and that happens you know nobody has a zero percent turnover rate no place no matter how great it is people quit for various reasons when you have a 150 percent turnover rate it's you okay it's not me it's you you're trash what the heck is happening this seemed like a good idea right you're dispatched by computer it picks the best loads matches you they actually variant actually gets more miles per truck than us express so they said and by the way Average revenue miles per tractor every week at Variant. This is according to Variant. All right, one thousand five hundred seventy-three miles per week. That's down twenty miles. <laughs> okay, so the average truck there, according to them, okay, and they're going to put their best numbers forward. Certainly, is fifteen hundred seventy-three miles per week of revenue. Now, drivers may drive more than that. Because this is revenue miles, and so uh, any miles you drive to go get a load, of course, they are not getting paid on, generally, and uh, depending on their tariffs and how it works, but you're still going to get paid. So you may get more miles than that paid, but that's all they're getting revenue. So I don't know, what if you have, what, 20% deadhead would be another 300 miles a week, I guess. So you, that's still only 1,900 miles or so per week per truck that the driver gets paid on. That's not great, considering, you know, it's 60 cents, that's $1,200 a week. That's why I'm telling you this place isn't worth working for if you aren't recruiting anyone. If you are not going to go there and recruit people, do not go there at all. Because the pay is just so-so, and according to their own numbers, drivers are not getting any miles. And they have also have eight, about almost eight accidents per million miles. It's crazy high. That's crazy high, but that's what happens in the industry. 
uh, in any industry, when you hire, uh, you know, you reduce really the qualifications and the requirements of the people that you hire. Okay, so when as you reduce those qualifications to get people, you also increase accidents and everything else like that. You're not hiring the best people. Look, let's be honest. How many people with, uh, let's say, 20 years experience or more are even considering going to Variant? I would say almost none. And I mean 20 good years, not 20 years where you have 12 tickets. 20, two, okay, let's put it this way. How many 2 million miles safe drivers are considering going to Variant? Zero? I know maybe one of them. No, you're not getting the best drivers because they're not going to go to a place like this. They're going to go get 1,500 miles a week. Okay, so until you increase that, you're better off having less trucks and rolling them more miles and keeping people rolling. The idea of just growth, just because to grow, what good is that doing you? If you have to, I cannot imagine really having to hire 50 people a week to keep my trucks full. How? How many trucks are being recovered? Think about that. That just popped into my head. How many of these trucks do they, where people quit outside of a terminal? Do you have to go recover? Let's have a whole crew that just recovers trucks. That the, All they do is go get trucks and bring them back. That's it. There's nothing else that they do. Because not everybody is just driving the truck back and going, you know, I think this isn't working out, so maybe we'll just call it quick. No. No, because they're hiring anybody that they can get whoever you call them they'll be happy to talk to you and probably put you in a truck if you're willing to go recruit people for them i think it is a it's a possibility there to make good money because then your miles don't make any difference your 1500 miles you don't care about that you're trying to get other people there okay that's better than so if you had another if you had 10 20 people on your downline you know pyramid ish is what i called it even though it's not a pyramid scheme okay but pyramid-y has that, can has the kind of a stink of a pyramid on it. You know, it's, like, oh, it's a little bit Egyptian. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of a pyramid. I don't know. So that's the, st- <laughs> that's the story there. It's kind of pyramid But if you go there for that reason, yeah. Then then it's probably, it could potentially be the one of the highest paying jobs in trucking. If you go there just to uh, be a driver there at Variant, you're like, oh, I like gray trucks and I want to be dispatched by computer, then no, it isn't anything special. It's nothing great at all. It's probably not even worth going to. So that's how, that's how you decide. It could be the greatest thing ever or probably not even worth giving them a call. Isn't that amazing from the same place? But for these kind of numbers, if you aren't recruiting people, how long are you going to stay and get 18, 1,900 miles a week? Unless they're running, unless they're running an amazing, like a 1,000 miles a week deadhead, which would be crazy on 1,500 loaded miles to run another 1,000 dead. I suppose it's possible, but if that's happening, that isn't any good either. You're not planning this at all. You should minimize that, and drivers want that to go get another load immediately. You know, Of course, really, as a driver, I guess, thinking about it, who cares? If you're getting paid, loaded, or empty, who cares? Get a 1,000-mile deadhead, that's fine with me. It's easier. But from a business point, it's stupid. I just couldn't believe this. When I saw, you know, 150%, 150% turnover, I'm like, really? Is that a real number? And I'm looking at it, and it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a real number. That's ridiculous. That is not great for them. So it's just reduced because here's what they say, you know. They're like, well, you know, our unique way of compensating drivers will result in less turnover. Well, but that doesn't seem to happen. So what, what is probably happening 
um, is that drivers now there, because the miles are lower, oh, I can imagine this scenario, right, Gracie? So you're getting less miles. You're like, crap, I got to make some money. And so the drivers are just turning into like regular recruiters and just taking anybody. Put my name down here. Put my name down. You know, do this, do that. Put my name down. And so they're just recruiting anybody that they can. They don't care if they stay. And then the company is like, crap, we got to get people. So they'll take anybody. And it's the whole cycle starts and variant just turns into, you know, U.S. Express 2 kind of thing, you know. It just, it, all it is is a different color truck is what it's turning into. It hasn't turned into what they thought it would turn into, where they're changing the industry. Or all, no, they're the same garbage place in the industry, the same kind of place. And it's sad. It doesn't have to be that way. Then we go into this next thing where it says, hey, they're talking about driver pay. Okay, sign-on bonuses and that are being reduced. Driver pay, pay increases are slowing down. At a lot of carriers, why it says because their trucks are full. So isn't that something that here we go again, another yet another showing where some companies have full trucks and then some have a 150% turnover. And they may say, well, Mark, our trucks are full. Well, yeah, but you're rolling 50 people in a week or more, 60 people, 50 to 60 people a week in to keep those trucks full. So if somebody gets out of the one door, somebody's getting in the, uh, the other door to get in that same truck. Is that considered a full truck? I wouldn't consider that a full truck. If you have to if you have to hire, you know, 150% of your workforce every year just to keep the place running, maybe you should close. I mean, seriously, that is not great news for them. But the places that are full they're probably doing great. You don't have to increase your pay. You're doing the right things because people are coming to you. So when even though you put out, you know, 1800 recruiters over there at Variant, you still can't get 1800 drivers without putting 50 to 60 people per week. That's how many it would be to get 150% turnover, right? At that rate. So that's really something. So some carriers, full trucks, no problem. They're waiting lists. Some carriers, oh my god, Let's hire 150% of our people and then just put out that we have full trucks. Ridiculous. Now, I get a lot of questions. I get a lot of letters about equipment problems. So, or also, conversely, driving over hours. So, in fact, I just got a letter this week from a person who said, Hey, you know, I have to drive 6,000 miles a week as a solo driver. Um, what can I do about that? Well... Here's the thing. It's easy to say, hey, just don't do it, right? And then you risk getting fired. And I understand that. And remember this, that your license is on the line. That's number one. So if you get some kind of ticket, you're, of course, going to eat that. It's going to go on your record. You're going to be put out of service, certainly run those kind of miles. But here's the other problem that you really should consider is that we are all on the road. You know, outside of your license and all that, running those kind of miles, you know, gets you really tired. Say you do not all fall asleep and have an accident and kill somebody. I mean, what are you thinking about that? Oh, you know, I drink coffee or whatever, you know. If you're writing to me about it, you know it's a problem, okay? You know it's a problem. And, and yeah, I want people to make money, and I'm sure you're making good money running those kind of miles. But, you know, when the boss says, hey, you have to do it. This is required. You got to get out here or whatever. You know, we'll fix all the... You know, in this company, he said, you know, oh, they don't... They run paper logs, so you just backlog it and all that. I mean... I just think that, yeah, it's your license and all that, but, you know, just from a p 
pure safety perspective of it, you shouldn't do it. That's too many miles to run for a single person. Now, well, Mark, what can I do about it? Well, outside of just straight out refusing to do it, okay, there are several things you could do. You could go in a scale and tell them, (laughs) I need to rest. You know, I'm so tired. Um, Generally, they'll let you park there. You should say, I'm so fatigued, I can't even continue. Uh, Please, let me stop here. You know, this is what they're doing to me. Now, will that get you fired? I don't know. We'll get into that in a minute if you're fired about this. So that's one thing to do. The other thing to do about equipment or over hours where you're being forced to run over hours. And look, let me tell you, you should do all this in writing with your boss. Not, oh, he tells, he says, hey, run here, you know, uh, on the phone. Send him a text. If he writes to you, I mean, uh, if he calls you and says, hey, here's your next load or whatever, be sure to send a text right away or an email immediately and say, hey, we just had this conversation. I just want to be sure. I want to make clear what I'm trying to do here is do these things, you know, in right, whatever it is. So I have to go from, you know, uh, St. Louis to Los Angeles to Atlanta without stopping. That's want to be clear, you know, or put the dates. I need to be there in two days and then back to Atlanta in a day and a half, something like that. So that there's a record of it, because later, if when it comes down to this later, which we're going to talk about in a minute here later, they're going to say, well, what are you talking about? We didn't uh, tell them to do that. And you're going to have to say, well, look, they knew I was doing it. They know where the truck is, that kind of thing. You know, that, that it's much easier to prove initially that they're forcing you to do it by you writing to them immediately and putting down right there what is happening, even if they don't answer that text if they get it right once they get it that that is pretty good proof in my non-legal non-lawyer opinion of what is happening you know they would immediately it seems like respond and say hey they oh no way what are you talking about you know so and then you go and do it and then that's that's where we are on that it'd be the same for equipment okay so equipment problems where you know some kind of unsafe condition exists which it doesn't you know even this look lights, whatever it is that needs to be repaired, and you tell them the motor carrier is required to take out of service something that you tell them has a defect or deficiency under FMCSA guidelines once a motor carrier is notified. They then have to take it out of service, okay, fix it, and put it back in service, or certify that it doesn't need to be fixed for continued safe operation of the vehicle and put it back in service. I want to tell you, this is in 396.11. This gets into the regulations, but this is important that you know these regulations, okay? So, you are required to to uh, put a, um, every motor care shall require its drivers to report a uh, in writing, okay, at the completion of each day's work, <clears throat> on each vehicle operated, a uh, vehicle condition report. And it's got to cover certain things, which are listed here. And uh, you have to list any defect or deficiency discovered or reported to you, by the way, which would affect safe operation of the vehicle or result in its mechanical breakdown, all right? Now, but here, part number three is most interesting. Now, the corrective action that must be taken prior, listen, listen, Linda, prior to requiring or permitting a driver to operate a vehicle, every motor carrier, okay, or its agent, you know, mechanics, whatever, shall repair any defect or deficiency listed on the driver vehicle inspection report, which would be likely to affect the safe operation of the vehicle. And 
every motor carrier or its agent shall certify on the driver vehicle inspection report which lists any defect or deficiency that the defect or deficiency has been repaired or that the repair is not necessary for continued safe operation of the vehicle okay that's pretty simple now that means that when you have a problem and you list it on there your motor carrier is required by FMCSA guidelines to fix it or certify that it does not need to be fixed either way they have to sign off on the thing we fixed it or it doesn't have to be fixed we looked at it and the driver's stupid or whatever it is it doesn't matter okay so that's the thing and what am I saying here well this is a way for you to not operate a vehicle once you list a defect or deficiency the motor carrier is required to fix it or say it doesn't need to be fixed simple as that so if they don't do that you don't have to drive it until that's done because really under FMCSA guidelines once you list that then there are other steps that have to be taken before you can then go because you get to look at the previous DVIR which would be yours necessarily on that and see that it's been fixed and until that is done the operation doesn't move on so that is something that you can do as well write it up and turn it in and then tell them hey they're like oh what are you doing whatever okay and you tell them look go look up 396.11 all right go and you tell me that now you're gonna have to stand tough on this kind of stuff at some places okay because they're not gonna really like what you're talking about but that doesn't make any difference if you want to be safe and I'm not saying that you can't run with one light out to go get it fixed somewhere what I'm saying is when people write to me and say look I have three bald tires they'll send me a picture of this what do I do they won't fix it this is what you do these are the steps that you need to take to protect yourself but once you take these steps you have to be prepared to take the next steps so once you write it up okay you've got to be prepared to not take it and you go well just go pick this next load up and all that. no no I wrote it up you have to do your part you have to fix it so then there could be a problem so there's another thing you could do about this once you write this up okay and you send it in why are you not going to fix this whatever every state uh, generally under the state police has a commercial motor vehicle enforcement division and each state may call it something a little bit differently you can go to this website of the state police and look that up look under their commercial motor vehicle enforcement okay and see who does that in the state police and generally there's a phone number and an email and you can ask them about it say look I want this fixed I want to be safe because look they they want safe equipment on the road too so you tell them look here I here I am this is where I am I want to be safe I don't want to get a bunch of tickets hit on me because I hate that they changed that years ago you used to be able to pull into a scale and say hey write this garbage up it didn't affect you now it does okay and I don't really like the way that they do that and tell them this is what is going on here okay this because it's so unsafe something has to be done about it and see what their recommendations are call them up I mean they're happy to talk to you they want safe equipment on their own and if it comes down to it you may have to report them and say okay this is the equipment this is what's going on this is what we're doing now all this may result in your termination okay thing is they can't terminate you for that so 
if that should occur and again i'm not a lawyer okay you can seek an attorney out a league a licensed attorney if you want i don't think it's necessary but may, it might be worth a call your choice the surface transportation assistance act the staa whistleblower uh provisions of it will protect you now this may take a little time but go you can check that out go look up the staa whistleblower and you can see how to file a claim there and what it is is you the no adverse action is allowed to be taken against you for reporting defects deficiencies refusing to drive unsafe equipment refusing to drive if you're sick if you're uh it, it's a sick or ill i think that's interesting if you're too fatigued to drive you're like i just, i'm too tired i can't go it's not safe you believe the equipment is unsafe even if you're wrong okay i'll tell you that it's and that's listed in there so let's say you say you know i don't think this is safe to drive and uh, they go it is safe and you i'm not driving it's not safe they still can't actually take any action against you that's actually listed it says even if the driver is in error all right and it and it is as long as they're making the claim in good faith so you can't just be doing it to just hose the place but if you're like no here's the problem right here i really think this is wrong they cannot take any action much less fire you for it you can file a claim there and i'll tell you this the government has goes after companies for this and i read about these bigger ones all the time but what can happen is the government can make them hire you back, pay you all your back pay, pay any medical expense that you had if you'd had insurance and that kind of thing, all that stuff, and punitive damages on the company for taking action against you. If more people did this, I think we'd have less of this unsafe garbage on the roads. Because, look, let's be honest, a lot of people know about the stuff that they're driving around that has problems. But because the pay is such that you're being paid mileage again, and most people or a lot of companies don't pay for breakdown or they don't pay all of breakdown pay so you write up some lights or whatever and they're like oh I'll go to the ta and it takes six hours and they give you fifty dollars you've lost a lot of money and i don't think that's right so if more of this happened where you, people weren't afraid especially bigger stuff and this driver driving six thousand miles really needs to write this place up because ultimately you know he could end up in jail for life or die in his own accident or kill someone much less have something happen to his license you know there's one thing where it's a couple of lights and it goes on your license. It's another thing where you are so tired that you are going to kill somebody or yourself or cause some kind of accident. And that's another thing that really should be dealt with. The company won't fix a single light. I think that's one thing. If the company makes you drive 6,000 miles a week, I think that's another thing. But the state police are really are your friend in this kind of thing where you can write into them and ask them, what your next step should be at your company and they're not just going to be like tell us who it is so we can arrest everybody okay they want the trucks to be safe the same as uh, both me and you and everybody else you know all i want to do is drive a safe truck around all day i don't want parts flying off i don't want to injure somebody or kill myself or anybody else i want a safe equipment but you know when the motor carrier requires you to do things the motor carrier is also required to do things and they need to be in the same compliance as everybody else and they don't like that so that's why these protections were put in place for you to call something in turn it in or whatever and keep your job they can't do anything about it but but i cannot stress this enough be sure to have a record of these things a record of them there is much harder much harder later for you to prove and say well i kept telling them about it 
because they're going to say, we never heard anything about it. So we would have gladly fixed it if only that driver would have told us. That's why, even if it's on the phone, you call him and go, hey, this thing's a piece of junk, whatever. You need to immediately, he goes, oh, just drive it. Right away, you send an email or a text, say, hey, we just talked on the phone. You're insisting I drive this equipment, uh, you know, uh, and I don't want to lose my job. You're threatening me or whatever, and see how that goes because you're going to need that later. You will need that later for something that comes up, maybe. it's You can always delete it. You know, that's the thing. You can always never use it, but something you need and don't have, that's a problem. Much better off having something you don't need than needing something that you don't have. So keep all that in mind under these regulations for equipment and, you know, illness, anything else like that. Now, I know what people are saying because Gracie just reminded me of this. But Mark, if no defect or deficiency is discovered, you don't have to pre prepare a report. That's correct, depending on your company's policies. But what we're talking about here are when defects or deficiencies are discovered. Then a report has to be tendered. Okay, so... I understand if you don't have any defects, you don't have to prepare a report unless your company requires it. Got it. Right, Gracie? Thank you for interjecting in there. See, she comes in here sometimes. I want to tell you about the next apparent classic collectible car, which is the 1995 to 1999 Chevy Tahoe two-door. Yes, what? That's what I said. You just sold one at Meekum. A 99 last year for it, 4x4, with the gas engine. There was a diesel available. This is the 5.7 gasser, as it's called, under 300 horsepower. Sad. 42 grand. That's unbelievable. It was $33,000 new. And this is, although it looks like it's in good shape, this isn't some, you know, 100-mile version. This one has 87,000 miles on it. Are they interesting looking? I guess. The build quality, GM, oh, not super great. There were a lot of these things made, too, so not a lot of the two doors, I guess, but there were still a lot of them around, Tahoe's, and will it be reliable? I suppose it'll be reliable. Only got water pump issues on that 5.7, I think. Otherwise, you know, you keep an eye on that. It should be okay. But here's the problem. I mean, who pays $42,000 for it when it was, you know, less than that new? It's nowhere near worth that kind of money. Yes, I get it that somebody wanted it, so I guess it's worth it to them. I agree, it isn't worth it to me. For $42,000, you can get a new car uh, today. You'd be way better off with that. But Mark, I want to be able to work on it and everything. Well, you know, this isn't super old where it's like you can just work on everything. It's still all computer controlled and everything. If you like it, I suppose. But I thought that was, you know, pretty, uh, pretty bold to get that kind of money. But in an auction, you always get a little bit more money for these things. Well, it does look good. Uh, 42,000 at gas miles is probably 14, 18, probably some rated something like that, maybe 13, 16 on the sticker. But then, hey, Mecham, you got to write him a check. So uh, at least there's no car payments. And in Indiana, oh, 99, not quite right. Two more years, you'll be able to get historic plate on that, <laughs> on the Tahoe. So it'll be a historic vehicle, it will say. Uh, that'd be something at least you could do for it. Would I pay 42? No. No, you can get a brand new car with much more capability than that thing for less money. Because this one's not lifted. It's not It's not anything. It looks like it uh, just came out of the showroom. You know, no fancy anything on it. So with those kind of miles, no way. But in case you are wondering, uh, which car should I collect, Mark, and put in my garage? Maybe a two-door Tahoe, which was only a few years made. 
Get a diesel if you can. They were very rare. Most people got the gas engine in it. And park it and see what happens. I think now it's time to go to Montana. To big sky country. Where we find a fine gentleman of 31 years old. Assumedly, especially from looking at him, living in a cinder block basement apartment below the frost line. <laughs> okay. And um, this fine gentleman is busy on his phone that probably his parents provide him because they probably live upstairs. And what is he doing? Boy, you know, what is this guy doing? Well, he's on his phone and he somehow reaches out and touches someone. And he finds a fine young lady to communicate with. And he wants to go visit her. Because she's his fiance. Now it turns out that he doesn't have any money. As surprising as it is when you are, you know, 30s and living in your mom's basement that you don't have any money. It is surprising. It's surprising. But <clears throat> yet uh, here we are. Well, he sets up a GoFundMe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Because when you don't have money, any money, you could get a job or you can just have everybody give you money. So, all right. So he sets up a GoFundMe to go visit his fiance, And people start reporting him to the police. Because his fiance, in air quotes, is 14. Oh, yeah. What the heck are we doing? But Mark, how did they report him to the police? He put it in the GoFundMe. Yes. Hello, I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm this and his picture and my fiance. I want to go visit her. She's 14 and lives in, you know, some Missouri or wherever it said. Uh, so I need some money to go visit her. Oh, oh, yeah. Now do you see why not only are we not living on Mars, but there's basically no hope for the human race, okay? And, you know, I'm not faulting her too much, but, you know, look, <laughs> at 14, can we not communicate with people on the Internet? All right, so I didn't communicate with people on the Internet. Uh, I know, Gracie, I know. Al Gore hadn't invented the Internet yet when you were 14. I get it. Okay, must be nice to be 10 and give me advice. Huh. That's the problem. <laughs> okay. I always wonder this about guys, too. Uh, guys, which is also in quotes. What are you doing talking to a 14-year-old? Oh, my God. I want to pull my hair out talking to my nieces that are 14 years old after two minutes. I'm like, oh, my God. I cannot imagine what little hair I have, right? I cannot imagine, like, wanting to get into some kind of conversation with a 14-year-old. Either way, guess who's in prison? That guy. Deservedly so. He won't spend enough time there. Okay, leave kids alone. How about that? That's the uh, moral of the day, story of the day. Uh, no doing that. And, uh, hey, how about if you're going to put a GoFundMe, don't put things in there that are completely illegal where everybody turns you into the police. Okay, then the police went right over and arrested him. Oh, yeah, he's, I'm trying to get to my fiance. Right, arrest, idiot. 
So now I got to feed this guy. This guy doesn't even deserve to be fed. Of all the crimes, he doesn't even deserve any food at all. And it looks like I could go without feeding him for a while and it wouldn't make any difference. To uh, to be totally honest with you. So probably an opening in the uh, you know oncology department for this surgeon. Yeah, not a surgeon. All right, after you're looking at the picture. And that's why we're not on Mars today. I can't get there because I got to waste resources with this shamagi where I could just boot him you know there should be two ships we go to mars and he goes to the sun how about that yeah. well that's going to wrap it up for today market trucking answers nation.com all right find me over there and uh check out the youtube page and everything else that's going on send me your ideas story ideas anything else you want to do and uh, we'll talk to you soon all right so thanks for listening be safe out there <laughs>